0: Welcome to the Endoscope podcast. I am your host, Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer of War Media. Make sure to subscribe to War on Anchor, the home of the Endoscope podcast, on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the TuneIn app. And follow me on social media. This is Joshua M. Hicks, and welcome to the Endoscope podcast. Hope you enjoy the show. Mm podcast with your boy Joshua M Hicks senior writer for war media and this show is big time because I got a very special guest he's been he's been a member and a friend of the show before and this is a legendary guy that knows what the hell he's talking about he is (laughs) Craig Hodges former Chicago Bull former Chicago Bull champion and ultimately a trailblazer in the NBA industry and NBA history if you really want to be completely honest because he knows what it means to be not on social justice, not just as a player, but as an activist on and off the court. And this is someone that with so much going on in this league, he's the right person to talk to about the latest issues within the NBA. So before we jump in though, Craig Hodges, how you doing, man?
1: Hey brother, appreciate that the invite to even be here, man. And it's a blessing, especially during this period of time, man, so I support what you're doing because it's, better, it's very necessary and especially right now, it's time for us to consider uh, ways to bring about our stories and our issues in different platforms and and ways that get to, and contact people where they are, as opposed to trying to program them into something that's not even in their DNA, man.
0: Yes, most definitely. And one of those issues is the national anthem within the NBA. You know, the NBA over the summer was really known for their push for social justice, especially during the bubble, um, supporting Black Lives Matter, Breonna Taylor, Say Her Name, and the, kill, and, the, and the killing, you know, unfortunate death of George Floyd, you know, they really rallied around and, and protested and, and really pushed the social justice narrative, which overall, from from a league perspective, especially as of late, the NBA has right. really led the movement of those things compared to other professional leagues. And the Dallas Mavericks kind of wanted to add on to that protesting uh, realm by, you know, not playing the national anthem. And Mark right. Hughes made it known that you know, even though know, they've been doing it for 13 games and no one has really noticed until now. Um, mm-hmm. Just the fact that, you know, he's talked to people that not just represent the, the Mavericks from a player's perspective, but also employees and other people that um, he respected that working for the organization and they made it known their feelings. And he felt it was best to not play that play the national anthem before games. And unfortunately, the NBA cracked down on that policy and really reinforced the um, their stance as far as playing the national anthem right was that the right move for the lead to do in your opinion as someone that is very cognizant of the social justice issues around society on and off the court is that a good move to have for, for the lead to do what and what and what would be the reason behind it?
1: <laughs> well once again man we we have to look at the the totality of it and look at it and in the whole of it and not partly and piecemeal and You know, even to the point where the National Anthem itself is given to us in a piecemeal fashion where we who are the former slaves don't even see the part in the National Anthem where they talk about us as slaves going to the grave. So when we study the National Anthem for what it truly is, I think everybody that's listening to your show, and in fact that's something that we have to continue to bring out is the historical relevance of what it is and and how it represents uh, part and parcel of not only sports but American business. And as an American business entity, there's certain measures that have to be taken in order to keep it in place. You know, why why wouldn't you have the national anthem? You know, why why don't we get to have lift every voice and sing before every game if we're 85% of the league? That's never, you know what I'm saying? So you give us um you give us a rendition during the NFL Super Bowl of, you know, lift every voice and sing, but it's secondary to the national anthem once again. So if we're second class citizens within a context and that's what it it boils down to, but we're second class citizens who have power and the magnitude of our power is the foundation of this nation. But we won't study it like that. We want to take it where, you know, Mark Cuban, I appreciate what he's trying to do, but you're part and parcel of a billionaires club that is detrimental in so many levels. And I appreciate what you're trying to do. I appreciate you, I appreciate Popovich. But one of the things that has to happen, spoke with uh, Scoop Jackson last night on this topic, Of uh, it's not only ownership, but it's, it's different things. It's the accountants, it's the executives within uh, the executive suites of the NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, and the commissioners. Why aren't the commissioners ever a brother or a sister? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So since we are so woke, and when I, when I consider the NBA as woke, I have to laugh, man. Because when, you know, we, we, we look at it, and we look at it, to me, it's like this. I'm talking to my brother today, and he's saying, what is the NBA doing if you ain't got no fans in the stands? What's happening if you don't have that part of your capital inflow at some point in time the rubber meets the road and some adjustments are going to have to be made so we go the national anthem we look at that and we say that that has to be the foundational part of this thing because that's white supremacy racism capitalism those are fostered together so they have to keep their measure of control and that's what that is now as we move into the other sectors of it like you talked about the All-Star weekend, the Bulls, and the stuff that we're supposed to talk about tonight. It's, been, it's so funny to me that it's so hard for me to watch basketball right now, brother. The first time in my life where I can literally say I haven't watched a game, man. So when we talk about Zach Levine and we're talking about the Bulls, I had my cliff notes today before the show came on. I see, I'm, I happen to be in Chicago right now and I saw the news and they said where the Bulls won last night against the, um, against the Pacers in overtime. And I'm watching as just because I know I'm getting ready to come on the show. And that just, that little bit right there as a world champion, I saw one or two plays and I'm saying, wow, y'all ain't gonna win. And I'm just looking at you're only offensive end and your spacing, you have four people in the space where two people can guard you. So I know you have no rebound positioning. So what happens in this shot that and everybody's looking to shoot threes because that's the analytical thing, which is once again, part of that capitalist system because how many analysts who are analytical in the NBA look like us? You feel me, little or none. So once again, there are branches to this thing, man. And we have to be cognizant enough, honest with ourselves enough to see what we should truly expect from whoever it may be whether it's LeBron James, whether it's Michael Jordan, whether it's Craig Hodges, whether it's Oprah Winfrey, whether it's the garbage men, whether it's the, everybody has a part to play in this thing. That's why it's the unified body of Christ that's happening right now in, uh, in the Aquarian age with sisters as the Christ head. And that's the part that all of this thing, we already went in, man, we didn't win. So all of this stuff of struggling, no, nah, those, are, those are games and tools that are being used to keep us in, in, on the treadmill, as opposed to seeing what our genuine power is. So when we really look at the NBA, and I'm looking at Draymond Green's statement about how players can't, players don't have the power to speak like owners. No, because they own you. So now, if we really want to make those changes, let's step outside of their box and create our own. Because right now, when we stop and look, and, and that's one of the things when for me is how do we, how do we make this gap? Because college basketball will never be the same. So all of the young athletes that I'm training right now, I'm training them to think that your senior year, you're ready to go play professional somewhere and we're gonna set that up. So if you have to go to South America to play, we'll take a tour down to South America and we'll, I'll teach basketball, but we are gonna take some players to where they can make what should be made not earned off of them, you know? Whether, and that's the thing me and my son, were having a conversation about football. When you look at a player that might be 18 years old, he's not ready to take those hits in the NFL. So why should he be taking them in college if he's not prepared to take those hits? So why are we preparing these young athletes to get, if you're gonna be a pro football player, like I had one come to mind, a young brother, I had a Rich East named George, that he could have been an NFL type football player had we trained him to do that. But there's so many distractions in between the athlete and his people and the dollar and the dollar is the magnifying glass that i'm asked all the time man didn't you want to go to nba so you could be a millionaire never crossed my mind when i was in eighth grade ninth grade 12th grade sophomore in college it wasn't about the nba it was about me training myself to get to the level where i could possibly compete to get there and so many times money has become I guess the measure and and that measure has us on a treadmill where we, you know, when I look at my brother MJ, love him to death, I see what he's doing. I look at magic, I look at Oprah. And then I consider in that realm that when we within the context of being an athlete, how many times when I'm listening to the conversation that's going on and you know where your career is and you know where the money is, and that now my measure is how can I become a billionaire and how can I compete in this the richest man game? That, that's, that's, so, that's so disadvantageous to our people because that's not who we are in our DNA. You know, we have the Ubuntu sphere where if you got it, I got it, you know, and that's not how we've been rolling, man. And, and that's the part that, you know, these discussions are changing that because you have a platform that reaches a lot of people who are the real power shakers of tomorrow, man. So that's why we gotta be on these, we gotta be on these type of podcasts, brother.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And I'm glad you brought up Draymond Green's statements that he made last night post game about that ownership um, player treatment because of the fact that, I'm, that's that's actually the next question I wanna ask. How do these type of issues impact a, person, a player on and off the court, especially a player that is socially conscious? That socially right, right. wants to utilize that platform to help create the change that they want to see, and one mm-hmm. of them may be during the national anthem, or may, or another time. I mean, you protested in the league as well. So, mm-hmm. put, put, using your experience that you have done while you were in the NBA, comparing right. to today's realm and today's era of basketball, how can this? How can these type of issues that they're trying to bring be socially conscious, aware of, and owners? constantly putting down policies, preventing them from actually performing what they want to do. How does that impact the player on and off the court?
1: You know, one of the, one of the things that, that I, would, I would submit to you, man, right now is that it's not too many people on the face of the earth who, are, who don't have a, a, a real maybe understanding, not an overstanding, but an understanding of social activism because you got a, you got a handheld device in your hand, man. So everybody is seeing this stuff come across. Now, whether or not you want to bear witness to it is another thing. But within the locker room realm, within the realm of players, agents, everybody knows what the hell is going on. Now, we choose to be, play ignorant to it. If I plead ignorant to it, I don't have any responsibility to it. And that's where we have to, we have to realize that everybody ain't going to be down. And I don't want I, I no cowards with me. So if you're not going to say nothing, don't come. Let us go ahead and do it. And we'll make a way for us to do what we have to do. And then, you know, the path is easier for you because so many of us, brother, have been taught these models, have been put into these boxes. And the box is easy because it's supposed to be easy because it's supposed to make you a functional slave. Now to create your own realm of existence, to create your own reality, to create your own jobs, your own employment, your own water, your own gas, your own this and that, Without somebody, that's a different task, man. That's a whole different task. So, if you haven't been trained to think like that, you're not going to think like that. And many of us, I was, brother, I, as we speak, I get chills because I think of all of the great teachers that I've had at 60, and I'm still continuing to get. You know what I'm saying? And, and how, I meant, how much of those teachings are not about Hodge? It's about giving you information so that I can come on your program. And give out light, not no darkness, not no, hey, check this out. We can go, we can go make these moves. You know what I'm saying? That that's totally against who we are, man. And especially at this end time when we're in an age where I this is the age of deliverance, man. So these this is the divine inheritance that's coming. So we have to respond accordingly. We have to be responsible in what we say, how we move, and how we listen, because so much, so much information is coming from your generation that people my age are missing. So, for, for instance, I'm in Tucson, Arizona. I come out of a health food store. I meet a young brother, and he drops some information on me that some of the heaviest information I've ever had in my life. And this young brother is 26 years old. Now, another brother my age would have walked right by this young brother because of whatever. But for me, it's it's a certain spiritual thing that's going on within my people. So I'm looking at everybody as having some pi- some type of message that I need to receive or possibly give to them. So we have to be and that's the, that's the beautiful part of growing up in the 60s, man. That I grew up in in that. I grew up in a black love where it wasn't no thing that it was a it was a palpable feeling that it wasn't a love that was created it was it was in us it wasn't something that was manufactured you feel me and that's I feel that energy coming back to our people because we're at such a a state of affairs that we can't do anything but get together and work
0: as a former player that was in the activist realm even as um a player like Muhammad uh Muhammad Abdul you know he he put his he put his platform on the line to pro- and now. You
1: know what's so heavy? Hold that thought. Hold that thought. You know what's so wild is that how you say the Mavericks did their uh, national anthem 13, 14 days, right? The same thing happened to McMood, that he was doing his a lot during the games, and nobody noticed until one reporter spotted it and said, Aha, look what he's doing. And then he said, Man, I've been doing this all season. But now when it becomes visible. Now they have to respond to who buys tickets and who are the sponsors, and this might not go well with sponsors. And you know, as opposed to what about this man's family?
0: <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that that that's very true. And I want to ask you this question because you are one of the closer people that's been similar to what Muhammad uh, dealt with. Can you provide any example or experience in your? During your time, during your playing days, where you were hyperly criticized for your protesting or your way of bringing out your own message of social justice in a in an environment similar to what players are doing now, especially with like in a national anthem right. or maybe a press conference, things of that sort, you know, can you give us an example of you going through that and how did that impact you? How, what what were the positive and negatives that you felt during during those instances?
1: You know, this this is the. Um... The blessing of being 60 and it being 2021 and that being 1990, 91, 92, and knowing the biggest difference is media, all right? Media controls the narrative. In the 90s, when myself and Meg Mood were going through it, the media chose not to ever cover anything that we did. So when we would have a We had a press conference in Chicago, man. Queen Latifah, Public Enemy. Um, uh, uh, Who else? Uh, Martin Lawrence, all these type of people for Operation Unite Save the Youth. We could get no coverage. So that's the difference is knowing where you are. Like I laugh at me and my boy, we laugh all the time because we're still in it and we're still doing what we're getting ready to move on. We were trying to move on, but it wasn't time. Everything is in season, man. And 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 sometimes so they asked in Scoop last night, Hodge, were you before your time? And Scoop took took made the statement for me that it's not about being on what people perceive as before your time, but it's about sowing your roots deep enough that they have a foundation that a tree can spring from. And when the brothers, when I talked to Dr. John Carlos, who was One of my heroes growing up and watching what they did in the Olympics, and now I'm able to talk to him. And he told me that when they saw me go to the White House, that that was one of the seeds that they planted. To me, that didn't do anything for me, but to set me on fire again to make sure that I continue to do what my elders want me to do because we have to respect our elders. I've been that since I came on the planet. So when those type, when that, when that Quilt of Brother tells me and gives me marching orders what else can you do, man? And that's why I say, man, the teachers that I've had. And so it's not, that this ain't for everybody, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? It ain't for everybody in the school.
0: Everybody listening right now, you're listening to uh, NBA world champion, Craig Hodges. Um, Craig, if you put yourself in today's NBA, mm-hmm, I think you would thrive, especially in the shooting league. With some that good knees.
1: With, with some good knees. With some good knees. Yeah. I, with some good knees. I'll be straight, you know. Yeah. But you know, the big, the funniest part, like when I was watching the Bulls tonight, is that it's almost like it's um it's AAU basketball, really. You know, the players control so much that I see so many times that coaches are afraid to discipline players because the game is such that now I can, and, and one of the things that, that, that was so beautiful in, in playing in the years that i played and the experience of being the number one, the number one, whether I was head coach in college or the last player on a team, I've been in all the positions of the game to be able to watch and be able to analyze it from a standpoint of no hate involved and look at it from a strictly, hey man, this is basketball. So when I watch the way the game is played today, it's a player's game. So players have their clicks and clicks can fire a coach. So if you and if you and if you get with LeBron, you got to make sure that you kind of you kind of soft pedal it, even though you know, man, brother, look, you travel four times. They only called you twice for it. So let's move the ball. <laughs> that type of thing is I feel blessed that I came along in that era where I was on a squad with the greatest possibly the greatest player ever who accepted coaching because he didn't have no choice. Because our coaching staff with Phil Jackson had over 100 years of NBA experience. So now, regardless to how many years you play, you ain't gonna never play that many years with the knowledge that they have. So you're gonna respect this. So it would be times in practice where Michael would try to get arrogant and any one of our coaches was and he would go back into humble like he was at North Carolina under Dean Smith. So it's certain ways that players have today that is cool, but game goes in cycles. So I'm waiting for the cycle to come back where a big man actually goes down to the block and and controls the paint, like Embiid could do, as opposed to trying to be a seven foot guard who doesn't really want to run the court. When you think about a Shaquille O'Neal who was almost 300 pounds, but he was running up in basket to basket. So it's a certain way the game is played today, and it's um, it's cool, but it's hard for me to watch, man. It almost, you know, and honestly, when I look at the NBA product, when my boy was talking about, man, there ain't no fans in the seats, but people are playing the video game. You feel me? So the people are gambling, you follow me? So now gambling has taken the place of those popcorn vendors, the parking lot attendants. You follow me? So the, the rank and file who are owners still have a way to make their bottom line, even though they're not making it in a traditional manner. They're seeing where this technology can play a part, and I can make this game look so much like the video game that when I'm done play- watching this, I want to go play the video game and gamble while I'm doing it. And they're making that easier for us to do. And that's, that's the trend, man.
0: You think that's really uh, what's taking place, obviously, especially with the All-Star Weekend, because All-Star Weekend was canceled originally supposed to be Indianapolis, but canceled before the season started because they were worried about COVID protocols. And now all of a sudden, aside from, you know, trying to push this new policy and this uh, anthem policy in place and things that sort, now you're trying to push an all-star weekend. And not just an all-star, like, game, but you're trying to do a skills challenge, a dunk contest, all before and middle, in in, in the middle of an actual all-star game. Do you think what you, everything you just mentioned about the NBA trying to, you know, revamp itself and get back all the bread they can get this, really played a role in them trying to amp up this all-star weekend stuff, even though they know the players themselves probably wouldn't even be supportive of it.
1: Now look, look, look at what you're saying. Okay. When I'm talking to guys, when I'm in the league, there's only two times when we have the owners all-star weekend and the playoffs. That's the only time when you can legitimately have an impact where they got to listen to you. Any other time, they can lock you out, and you just look at it. Look at when they lock us out. They lock us out right after season's over. All right? So that we're going to lock you out as soon as we make money, and then we're going to reopen at All-Star Weekend. So we'll reopen two weeks before All-Star Weekend and have an All-Star Game, and we'll cap all that capital that we lost, we're going to get back. So now all the money that they lost, they want to bring it back because remember, it was a year ago, right now, when All-Star Weekend had just ended and COVID was on the screen. All right. It shut. I told people this. The first league that shut down was Utah, right? Utah and the NBA. And I said, it can't open up until brothers go hoop again. So now let's look at this. What is the economic impact of black men in the NBA to the American economic system? Is what they say? It's priceless. It's priceless. So if we know it's priceless, what is your worth as a brother to your people if you can say, yo, y'all, yay, hey, let's walk over here and let's now let's negotiate again? So they, they throwing this at the players. If you don't go to the bubble and play, we're gonna tear up the collective bargaining agreement. Cool. That puts us truly in a unique power position that has never been before we have all our we have the rank and file of our players without contracts don't we know that the contract the contract right now think of this and i want everybody to think about this okay how many players who aren't playing from player nine through 12 okay who might get one or two minutes all right why are they under contract they're under contract so they won't go play someplace else. You follow me? So now we have the power right now to change the whole paradigm. I don't care what sport you're talking about because all of them use us. So now we have the ability to put financial people in place for real. You know what I'm saying? Accountants, lawyers, all of this stuff we could actually put in place now. So when they go down there to All-Star Weekend, and we're going to do what we told to do because by contract, you got to. But within that contract, there's something called force majeure, where this whole COVID thing, they can start to cut them paychecks. All right, And see, so much of this stuff is they're just testing the waters to see how far they can go. You feel me? So they're pushing these brothers on that national anthem. All right, since y'all got to have a national anthem, we ain't playing. Now what happens? Now what happens. We're not playing an All-Star Weekend. But see, once again, man, do we have the gravitas to say, you know what, man? How much does this really mean to me? And that's what it is, brother, that, you know, are we willing? And see, like, we only got this platform for a short period of time. It ain't like you're going to be playing until you're 90. You know, you're going to play and then you're going to have another 40 years of life. So what is your, what is your ability right now to create not only an avenue for the next generation of athletes, but also for the next generation of scholars and lawyers through your through your industry. Because our industry is unique because it covers so many different, it's, the swirl effect is so crazy. When I used to tell, I would take a, a group of children to, to a game at Chicago Stadium and i tell them to look at all the other industries off the basketball court. I don't want you to look at the referees, I don't want you to look at the players, I don't want you to look at none of that. I want when you walk into this building, I want you to take a pen and start to write down all the different jobs that you see, and that let you let know this world of what we can do on our own. It's so, hey, man.
0: Yeah, that's that's really crazy to think about, and I want and you hit on a point that quite frankly, someone in the NBA got criticized for. Now it's Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving and talked bingo. about Kyrie Irving talked about you know how he wanted to. He, he's such a community guy, and with everything going on, pretty much questioned was it even worth playing basketball at this point? And so right. many people criticized him for that to the point where they said, "Oh, he's not serious about basketball. He shouldn't even be playing." And right, and, and then many of his colleagues, yeah, yeah, and well, of his colleagues,
1: and and for, and for me, it was it was um, it was sad because um, when. initial bubble thing went down and he made a statement his statement was made in the privacy of a union meeting so it shouldn't be no ears from the outside to be able to say so and so said this so and so said this so and so said this that was the part for me that was crazy because how could you do that and leave that brother hanging where now he's out there on his own to have to deal with this thing, you know. It reminds me of when, when Allen Iverson was going through his thing, and and Stephen A. Smith was in, you know, in a position to help that brother, and he didn't. You know what I'm saying? When it was, man, we talking about practice. And it, it once again, it's that thing where we have the opportunities, but do we choose to? Yeah, that, that that's
0: that's very true. That's very true. Everybody listening right like, now. Like
1: with you, man. You, ain't got, you don't have to be doing this. You could be doing something else. Yeah. You know? So when and, and the thing about it is that when you stand up and see, that's why I applaud you, brother. And then people were like, man Hodge, are you getting I ain't got to get paid for this? Why do I have to get paid for this? This is this is the next generation of critical thinkers that's inviting me to sharpen with them. Watch the I would be stupid not to get the information that you're dropping. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And that energy, that's the, it's it's crazy, brother. And that's why I say I appreciate what you're doing and keep keep it up, man. Because, you know, it's just a matter of time that this is going, this is going to blossom into some great things for all of us,
0: brother. Most definitely, man. I really appreciate that for real. Everybody listening right now, you're listening to three-point champion, Craig Hodges. Craig. I know you, I know you a man that you, you, you made it very public and clear, uh, you didn't watch no basketball this season. Right. So that is perfectly fine right. and understandable. But I know you've heard somehow throughout the circuit about the impact Zach Levine has had throughout the league, especially right. from the offensive end perspective. How we have career numbers 28 points a game, five assists 85% from the free throw line 43% from the three and 52 percent from the field these are all all career highs no question and he made a case last year for being a potential all-star snub he could have he was from all-star weekend Mm -hmm. even right now being forced to play this all-star game is it is this the year that Zach Levine should get the automatic stamp stamp of approval to represent the Chicago Bulls in the all-star game which is something that hasn't been done since Jordan and seeing that, I mean, I'm sorry, Derrick Rose. It's Derrick Rose. Hasn't happened right.
1: since Derrick Rose. And and that's the thing that people have to see. It's a certain amount of politics that go on on all levels, man. And that within that sports writing community, that that and and see the, the and that's another thing, man. Is so many people are put on all star teams by the front offices. All right. So the front offices go to work and and, and fill ballots. All right. And 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 that's what it is, man. So you look at the you look at the the initial voting. It might be a hundred thousand. And then next time you look at it, it is 13 million or something, you know? So it's, it's a lot of it is, is um, you know, it's not really based upon what players are really doing, but for me, Zach Levine would be perfect within the triangle. So when I look at him and and I look at him, I, when I look at him is, is to me, I'm looking at what MJ was to triangle, what Kobe was to triangle. He has that type of energy and potential, you know, he's a, he's a scorer, you know, but I think once again, when you're not really winning and you're not on a course to win a championship and your mindset isn't trained to, to win that defense lacks. And I think the defensive end of the game is, is where, where championships are won and nobody, nobody is a, it's not a, it's not one on an individual base, but it's one on a collective defensive base and how your team defense is able to Make adjustments and stop the other team's uh, initial thrust in their offense, and how how you go about doing that leads to to your offense being better. Because the better we play defense, everybody touches on offense again, and I think that's that's part of what the game is lacking today is that, you know, it's a it's a one-dimensional thing, man. It's it's a how many can I score? How many threes can I shoot? And it's just you know, basically when we talk about it, the, the court is slanted to the offensive end. So shit, I don't feel like running uphill to get back on defense. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm gonna run when there's time to run downhill. I man, we can we can roll. So it's it's that type of energy going on and as well as the whole branding of things. So I feel like Zach Levine should be, and I think he hasn't Chicago hasn't really pushed him the way they could, man. And I'm you know, I don't know, I haven't been in the city as much as in, in as far as watching what type of uh, endorsements what type of love he's getting from the city on a you know a well-rounded base to be able to have a collective base behind him you know so and the bulls aren't winning that doesn't help
0: yeah and i want to and I'm, you touched on how zach levine you can see him playing in a triangle offense as the mj no or the Kobe. like you no mentioned question. you played with mj you yes. coached Kobe. Right. What separates Zach Levine from getting to that MJ Kobe-like standard? Does he have once again, what it takes to be either of those guys? Like, what's the difference that separates them two?
1: Once again, brother, and, and I tell you on an honest level, and there ain't no, I, like I said, I'm not a hater. I don't hate on this game. The game speaks for itself. The coaching that Kobe Bryant had, the coaching that Michael Jordan had, cannot be compared to what what Zach Levine doesn't have. <laughs> All right. So it's a world of difference, man. And it's a world of difference from you know sitting here, day one means so different, means so much. That day one leads to day 365 when we win a championship or however many days we are together as a unit that we together so much that how do you become thinking as one? How do you move as one? And that's the part that If you don't know what that is it's gonna be hard to teach it and that's the part that i don't see enough teams integrating champions into their system to be able to win whether it be sitting down hollering at a young brother on what it is to win a championship and what your mentality has to be when you're training what are you thinking about what are you eating about because you're eating when you're eating your championship too (laughs) you know what i'm saying so it's a lot that goes into just winning, man, as opposed to thinking that, man, I got a 40 inch vertical, I can go out and get 30. Okay, you can do all of that. But your team is still going to be 12 and 55. So what difference does it make? It's about, it's about a collective. If you want to play individual sports, you should have swam. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: um, yeah, that's true. But obviously the Bulls are going are right now for sure going through a rebuild. They had a horrible regime, older regime. And in- how long the- we've been, we
1: been rebuilding? How long I'm from Chicago. How long we've been rebuilding? You know what I'm saying? We've, yeah. been, we've been rebuilding. And then you get rid of you get rid of the pieces that you rebuilt to get. Why would you not why wouldn't you let Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler grow together as a backcourt? I don't some things, and then it becomes once again. The media throws their little dust in it and they say, uh, hey Jimmy, is it your team? Derek, is it your team? Whose team is it? What? It's Reinsdorf's team. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, we don't own this. We here to play together. This, this, and but they throw that in it because now that beef has to come in. And beef, beef is the thing today, man, and in, in in um in the compromising of black talent. You know, we we throw the beef in it and then somebody that doesn't look like us can capitalize capitalize off of us and we can continue to murder and mayhem within the doctrine of lyrics.
0: So do you think that is a, a legit reason as to why all this time the bulls have failed to get back to the levels of success that you played in as a bull?
1: See, You know, one thing we have to look at is capitalism, okay? Capitalism is this. The Reinsdorf, the Jerry Reinsdorf and his group, they own the Chicago White Sox and the Chicago Bulls, all right? You own arenas. You're not losing money <laughs> by not winning the championship. You're not losing. So across the board, a lot of these owners, they're not concerned about winning, only the people who support and want a winning franchise in their hometowns and support their athletes. Go put on their uniforms. I look at the Bears. We have so many Bears fans, but how many times do the Bears come up short because you won't go pay for it. You won't go pay and get what we need to get over the hump, the Bulls, all right? How could you let Phil Jackson get away? How could you let Michael Jordan not become part of ownership. So it's certain things that were going on that make you say, how long, ain't nothing like winning. Ain't nothing like winning in cities. So I don't understand why do we stop to break, dive up when it's in a winning momentum. And now one thing about momentum in sports, you never know when you got it, it just comes. We've been hustling, we've been hustling our asses off the whole time and we ain't been getting these results. Now, tonight, we getting these results, we getting these results, and we want to continue to get these results. Unknown to us why it's happening now, but now when it's gone, it's so hard to get momentum back because you don't know how you got the shit. Excuse my French, you know what I'm saying? So when that momentum comes, you have to make sure you roll on it and hope that you can build on what that model was. And that's what the triangle has been able to do. So you look at all the people who have, who have bit off the triangle whether it was part whether it was popovich in san antonio or steve kerr at golden state you took pieces of the system and you used it only piecemeal but it worked for you to win a championship so i know the system works but people don't want to use it because you can't you can't teach what you don't
0: know yeah that that's true and because of that, so
1: that's and, and that's to say, like we, like your question was, as far as the Bulls is concerned, I don't know why they haven't hired me on some level, just to teach that. Right, but and it is what it is. I, I, hey, that's their, that's their loss.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and but I guess for, for some reason the Ryan's doors made finally got the notice that some changes need to be made because just you know they got a new coaching staff now, they got a new front office. Do you believe? Yeah. So I want you to know this yeah. can potentially at least start things yeah. in the right direction or no. Hey,
1: brother. Hey, man. It, we'll see. Yeah, like, it, and see, you know, it's been the mantra of Chicago sports, wait till next year. Wait till next year. Uh, what? Oh, wait till next year. I, we about winning, man. I'm about winning. And once you taste it winning, it ain't, it ain't, everything else is losing. All right. Ain't no runner up. You lost. Ain't no, you know what? Say, no, you're a loser. <laughs> you're a loser. Either you win or you lose. Ain't no, ain't no gray area to that. And then when we're talking about sports, we're champions, man. It's not about, and it's a mentality to know why. And that's why I told people, I said, when LeBron James learns how to win, you're in trouble. Because the thing that winners understand is. We have time, we have time. And we know how to utilize our time in such a manner that we peak at the right time. And that time is when it's time to win a ring. Don't wanna peak at All-Star Weekend. Oh man, we're 38. No, that's cool. We gotta peak when we need to peak. Everybody needs to be on the same vibrational wave same mindset and everybody has to be healthy going into this thing because it's really one injury away from not winning the championship any 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 team that's competing they're one
0: injury away so put yourself in Zach Levine's shoes he's been more Mm -hmm. adamant and I guess he he does come off with sort of like that in a way his own version of a mamba mentality right you Mm -hmm. coached Kobe and the, and you and you know what it's like to see that live up front, right? For someone that is striving to have that, are you saying? Because there has been reports about this. Are you saying that you suggest that maybe Zach Levine should look elsewhere?
1: You know, one one of the things that I don't I don't ever do, man, is, is uh, put put myself in that position to say somebody should request trades or any of that. You know, because for me. That's a that's a very, very personal thing, man. So what I see is I see that within the context of what he has around him, he's got to continue to do what he's doing, man. You know, continue to continue to get your numbers and stay as focused as you can on playing the game and not becoming too involved in what management is doing. And hopefully you have a you have a good mouthpiece as an agent to be able to handle handle that part of your affairs so that you won't get so caught in the politics of the negotiations and, and how you know you've been putting these numbers up, but they're gonna try to show you that some way you haven't been producing enough to get what you deserve. So that's always gonna be the case. So hopefully you'll continue to, to be healthy. You know what I'm saying? And that's the biggest thing for all these young brothers who are playing, You know that Lord willing they can stay healthy and have, have the careers that they capable of having. And at the same time, they can, they can have that consciousness that can lend itself to, you know, a legacy within the sport that lends itself to, to their people, too, man. And it's, capable, and it's a possibility. LeBron is doing it. A lot of young brothers are doing it now because social media is such that you have a media support base that, you know, ownership, whether it be owners of the league or owners of the, the products that you endorse, they have to respect that.
0: Craig, what what you got? What you what you got coming up now? Like, what do you what are you doing nowadays to keep yourself active and in the game? Um, I know obviously the pandemic has put us in a tough bind, so we can't do right. everything we want to do with ourselves. But what are you doing uh, to keep up with yourself nowadays?
1: Well, right now I'm working with a lot of young young brothers who are high school and junior college athletes to try to make sure they keep their minds focused on training that the training aspect of the game is <clears throat> so important right now, as well as your academics. So make sure you're on top of your books as well as uh, staying in shape. And from a personal level, man, just studying, continue to write. And knowing um, April 3rd, we have uh, an event coming up in Chicago at Washington Park for Dr. King. So just knowing stuff like that, man, just staying, staying focused, man, and supporting young brothers like yourself and, and what y'all doing and, and you know, being where we need to be. And that being said, that it's a spiritual it's not it's not so much we planning but knowing that it comes from within man and, and whatever that whatever that tells you to do that that voice you follow it
0: okay yeah that's that that's real man continue to keep doing the great work that you're doing and obviously you, keep us, keep us up, up updated on that April third event because if we can come out and cover that thing you know I'm going I want oh, to so come out and I'll come out support so keep us uh, keep us in the loop with I'm, that event for sure.
1: For sure, man. i make sure you get the, uh, you know, the promotional stuff. So, you know, there's some stuff that's going on, brother, that's a lot bigger than us, you know, and that's, I think that's the, that's the cool part of, of just being in it is knowing that you're a part of something that, and, and winning championships on a different, on a smaller level is, is you get that feeling where, you know, everybody pitched in, everybody did their job at a, at a given point in time to get us to this point where we're getting ready to be the best team to win. And that it's not because we deserved it, but we worked the hardest for it. So in that work, there's a certain you know, certain karma that comes along with that work, man. And, and that's the part that I think we have to be more mindful of as we go through whatever industry it is within the capital realm, what is our, what is our connection to our community and where we came from? You know, because we weren't born in a vacuum. We know it's not too many people in our DNA who came on this planet with a, with a gold or a silver spoon in their mouth, you know? Maybe Grand Hill, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Whose father was a, you know, Kobe had a little bit of it, you know, but it's not too many players who who have came into this thing, man, without a grind, who didn't put in their work, who didn't put in a, a conscious effort to, to become a professional. And now that they are professionals, Hopefully they can get to do it as long as they can, but also, you know, lend some of the resources back, man.
0: Most definitely. How can people um, stay in touch with what you're doing? I know you, you know, you're an older guy. I don't know if you're in the social media realm or anything like that, but how uh, can people stay in touch with what
1: you can <laughs> Well, you can always, you can leave up at Hodgeonhoof.com. Uh the Instagram is the real Craig Hodges. So it's, you know, like you got, we, we there, man, we can be found, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we can be found, especially with this technology today, we ain't never lost, you know what I'm saying? So it's just a matter of, um, being, being there when, when we need to be present, man. And I think that's the same thing with, with the lessons in life, man. And when you, you know, the most important job is that of a teacher and the second most is that of a student. And when a student needs a teacher, a teacher is sure. And of the, Teacher needs a student, a student to show up. So that's how I try to go about life, man, and be in the right place where I need to be spiritually.
0: Most definitely, man. Okay. Um, everybody right now, you can follow me on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at Josh M. Hicks Media. And obviously follow War Media on, on YouTube, as well as Instagram and the, an the actual site as a whole, We are wearewegoradio.com. We got a lot of great stuff coming your way, including this special edition Podcast for Indisco featuring this great brother right here, Craig Hodges. Craig, thank you so much for coming on my show. I really appreciate you taking the time and giving me all the insight right on, and the knowledge, brother. You you brought the heat, and that and the, but it's what we needed right to hear, and what the world right needed on, to brother. hear about. So thank you so much, man.
1: Yeah, peace and love to you and your followers, man.
0: Most definitely, man. We'll keep in touch.